Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Retro Monster Truck Review. As I'm, I'm given a hand signal by my guest here, Colby. Jeez, I didn't know we had, we had that kind of a relationship. My goodness. <laughs> Today we're talking uh, USHRA Buffalo, New York, 1987. This is Rich Stadium, where the Buffalo Bills play, uh, and it's also the site of one of, if not the best, USHRA events in history. This is one that people always talk about. That's right. And it's, um, you know, it's one of those events with a lot of mystique, a lot of what ifs, um, and frankly, some weird broadcast uh, practices, for lack of a better way to put it, that uh, people kind of wonder about to this day. But uh, luckily for us here at the Retro Monster Truck Review, we have the answers to a lot of that mystique in this episode. Yeah, and it only took what thirty some odd years for it all to come to the come to the forefront and be yeah. brought to the top. <laughs> the cream always rises to the top, everybody. Uh, in the intro to this, we get a lot of pulling, obviously, and I, I always call like the first half of this broadcast. Oh, it's just the intro to the monster trucks. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in this event, we see most of this is kind of blocked out for a number of years. Nobody really saw the semifinal round of this until. I mean, I think there's video of it out there. You've got to do a lot of searching to find it. You were gracious enough to send this to me a while back, and I got to see these for the first time. And I understand why now that they didn't really air those, but I still think that if you're going to do an entire, if you're going to show off this entire first round, I don't understand why you just skip straight straight to the finals. It's just me. And I agree. I mean, I, I, I love the Spanky Spangler stunt that they do on this broadcast, but man, they spend oh, so much time on that. And and they spend so much time in between the rounds of pulling. And there's there was just plenty of room to, to get this in. And, and and the pulling was really cool in this event. It was a lot of really good looking, you know, some of the best looking trucks that were around at the time. But man, they, they do so at the, at the expense of, you know, some major context to the event that probably could have been used that would have made this really an over the top event that it, it just, you know, it, it was a great one, but it really could have put it over the top. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick. We'll talk about rich stadium itself. This stadium was built in around 1960, I believe. Um, yeah, I, I think the original plans for it were put in place in, in 1960 because I believe it was war Memorial before that. Um, uh, the stadium yeah. officially opened in 1973 yeah, um, yeah they, okay I, I misread it now its plans were in 1960 original opening 1973 replaced war memorial one thing that i found here right before we started to broadcast was an alleged curse of this stadium and i'll just read this quote here it says since the bills moved from war memorial to their current home it has been noted that the team has not won a championship since and has had frequent periods of heartbreak Several writers have owed this to the fact that the stadium was built just yards away from a family cemetery as part of a territory once owned by the Sheldon family. A plaque just outside stadium, just outside the stadium gate six and seven, graces the cemetery, and also notes that the stadium was built on the site of an ancient Winrow village. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so a lot of curse for the Bills, um, and and maybe a curse for. Uh, specific monster truck later on in this event um three years before this they had renovated this stadium and and this was kind of before renovations meant luxury boxes and big you know video screens and all of that so they renovated it to have more people so this 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 rich stadium held over eighty thousand people for this event and it it looks like an absolute cavern and it really was it was a huge stadium and they limited the crowd to what 
is commonly referred to as the hard camera side. Yeah. And so it looks like no one's there. I mean, they could they could probably have had 25, 30,000 people sitting behind the camera and you would but have never, never known. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like to me, it reminded me of the, like when we talked about Houston uh, in 87, you, you see the empty shot of the Astrodome. That's what it looked like behind the trucks. Oh, yeah. As you saw them go it was just a bunch of empty seats. One thing I always thought contributed to that until what you had just said, we, we found that out later. They had everybody on the hard camera side. I thought because maybe there was a little bit of rain in the area because there was a few raindrops that show up in this event that you see. And I wondered if maybe some people had just left because there was a big rain shower beforehand. But that's obviously not the case. Uh, And they still very well may have because, you know, a rain. uh, Luckily, it was June and not one of the colder months in Buffalo. Exactly. I've I've never been to Buffalo, but I've heard the stories of how uh, how bitter the cold can be up there. So. Add uh, add rain into you know being in Buffalo and in an eighty thousand seat stadium where you you know even at, like I said even at best you probably sold twenty to twenty five thousand tickets to maybe maybe a few of them didn't show up but we just don't get a whole lot of shots of the crowd in this event so maybe that's done purposely. Very true. Uh, it's ironic here uh, as you put in your notes here. Ironic that they ran eight trucks here, relatively small crowd, but a few months later at their world finals they would only book six. Correct. And I mean, literally, they could have put any two trucks in that that Houston event that we covered a couple of weeks back and and just filled out this event. It had made a lot more sense. Um, But, you know, that also kind of adds to what's cool about this 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 show, this Buffalo 1987 USHRA offering is, you know, you've got a full lineup, you know, especially for the time um, and. While the track itself, you know, it's pretty small, probably could have maybe could have even fit in an arena. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it definitely um, definitely added to the to the mystique of this event. Well, let's get right into it here. The lineup for this event is kind of star studded. If you really look at it here, we got Virginia Giant and, and uh, Deal Wilson, Kevin Dabney and Duraliner Giant, Dave Marquardt and Excalibur, Don Maples and Samson One, Fred Schaefer, Little Barefoot. Gary Bauer in Lone Ranger, Jim Cramer, Bigfoot Four, and Steve Helms in Skull Bandit. Yeah, and that, I mean, really, that's, um, you know, you got the two, what they refer to in this show as mini trucks, but, you know, the two short wheelbase trucks in Little Barefoot and, and Lone Ranger that were probably more, um, you know, more geared towards the exhibition. Duraliner Giant, um, you know, I, I I think back to when we talked about the Houston event that Duraliner Giant was also kind of more in that and that it was a bigger, heavier truck. But Duraliner Giant, you know, does pretty well for itself in this show. Um, So, you know, between Virginia Giant and Excalibur, obviously, Kramer and Bigfoot, obviously, and Steve Helms and and Skull Bandit, obviously, you've got a really strong lineup of trucks here that are are really going to go for it, it. And I think it definitely will show. One thing I would like to know here, um, and maybe you can shine a little bit of light on this, but when did actually Barry Packard purchase Little Barefoot? Um, I know he had it by 1988. Um, my my understanding it was is it may have even been sold by this point. However, um, you know it's a situation where you know sell it, but hey, I've got these X number of dates that I have to contractually finish. And then you can have the truck. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't know exactly the date, and I'm sure somebody out there will be able to tell us. But it wasn't if it wasn't before this, it was definitely not long after. I was going to say it had to be not very long after this because no. 
honestly, Barry Packer was my first introduction to Barefoot back in the day. Because I have an old Richmond, Virginia VHS tape that my mother recorded that's got Barry Packard and Little Barefoot where he locks the front. They're talking about how he locks the front tire and does a donut. That was my introduction to Barefoot as a kid. And I always thought, oh, Barefoot, it's it's Little Barefoot. Whenever I heard of Barefoot, I'm like, wait a minute, they took the little out of it? (laughs) (laughs) And and interesting that that truck, I mean, even just a couple of years after that, Barry Packard kind of became... Uh, an arena madman in that truck and you know it went through different variations of paint and name and and all of that but he really drove that truck hard especially on some of the smaller tours um i've seen some footage of the truck up in canada in a in a you know a tour of all the like kind of smaller arenas up there just absolutely skying that little thing out in an arena and going past vertical on wheelies and just he really drove that that truck pretty hard and and it's hard to believe when you look at it at this event in 1987 that that truck would be going as hard and as <laughs> as uh as big as it would just a few years later yeah very true uh the announcers here we got bob kurtz and mike galloway of course mike galloway one of the veteran united states hot rod association announcers and bob kurtz is somebody i had never heard of until this event and you've got a little more insight on bob yeah, and before we get to Bob, I mean Mike Galloway, obviously Monster Truck Hall of Famer, one of uh, you know one of our two inductees. If you're if you're talking about the International Monster Truck Museum and Hall mm-hmm. of Fame, uh, thus far that are uh, you know full time announcers, uh, Bob Kurtz is actually currently in 2021 the play by play guy for the uh, Minnesota Wild team in the NHL. Um, he also spent some time with the Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins in MLB, as well as the Boston Bruins and the old Minnesota North Stars in the NHL. So Bob Kurtz, you know, and it, it, it's interesting when you see some of these old events on ESPN and you see guys like J.P. Delacambra from the Houston event or um, or Bob Kurtz or Ken Brew and realize that these guys went on to some pretty, you know, pretty substantial and, and well-documented careers afterwards, but it, it, they got their start a lot of times, or at least, you know, early exposure in some of these, these old USHRA events. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's kind of neat to see that. Yeah. Uh, one guy that always jumps out to me is somebody that I never knew did anything other than monster trucks was Gary Lee. I remember watching him back in the day and thinking this, Oh, he's the only thing he ever does is monster trucks. And then I saw him on the Indy 500 one year and I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> Gary Lee. You're, you're out of your element here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a, you know, that's just kind of what we, uh, what we get used to with them. But, uh, yeah, that's what we grew up watching them on. And then when you see him somewhere else, you're like, I know that guy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. First thing we notice here, like I was just saying a little bit ago, is it's spitting a little bit of rain. We see a few clips, interestingly, at the beginning of the show of the semifinal round that we don't see later in the show. It's, I always thought that was kind of weird that they highlighted the semifinal race here between, I believe it was Duraliner Giant and uh, Excalibur that right. they highlight. And, and they, even, they even reference it in, in the final round. We'll, we'll get to that a little later on, but they reference it. They reference the semifinals on the announcing, but they don't show it. Yeah, but they don't show it. And it's like I said, it's one of those things that went down for a number of years is like the mis- the big mystery in monster trucks. Yep. Where'd the semifinal round go? But before we can get there, we got to go through round number one. And it's the Battle of the Giants in round number one. We get Virginia Giant and Duraliner Giant. Obviously, we got two giants of competitors here. Yeah, we do. And, and um, you know, 
two trucks that uh, you know looking at this this course and they they start on a tabletop which is a very interesting design but i guess you know they kind of did that quite a bit i know the minneapolis show in 87 they did the same thing it was a, actually a very similar course to this was it pontiac um, it was one of the pontiac shows as well like that i think in motor rock correct. Yeah, yeah, it was a very. Uh, there's actually a couple of Pontiac shows that that happened. The motor, the one in motor on on Motor Rock in 1986, and then there was one in early '87. Uh, I want to say it's January or February of '87 that also ran a, a somewhat similar course to this. And so they did this a lot in their in their stadium shows with a tabletop, a, a small run up to either a set of cars or two sets. In this case, it was six cars, uh, one set of six cars. Little bit of dirt running up to it was, which was also kind of, kind of novel for the USHRA at the time. They didn't do mm-hmm. dirt ramps. Um, you know, they were the they were the Iron Wall series for lack, you know, lack of a better way to put it. I kind of like that. Um, well, it was different. It was unique. Yeah, correct, correct. And you know, it made for a little bit more of an obstacle. And then a little bit longer run. I'd say the first run between the the, the tabletop and the cars was maybe forty feet. Um, second run probably closer to sixty feet, and then another tabletop with the uh, uh, finished flags on the top, uh, you know, where the finish line would be. And they say that you had to trip the flags, but that didn't, that didn't necessarily it happen. It necessarily doesn't happen right out of the gate right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, one thing I noticed in rewatching this back, I didn't actually put this in the notes, but uh, when you see the, there's a shot at the, like after this race is over with, you see the end, like an end zone camera. And you see the flagman jump up in the air. And when he's midway up in the air, that's when Deal Wilson just books it. He doesn't even have the flag waved. And Deal's already off the line, heading down the track. Virginia Giant gets a heck of a hole shot because of that. I would almost call it a red light, honestly. <laughs> but uh, Virginia Giant gets a little bit of a hole shot. But honestly, Duraliner Giant kind of comes from behind and sneaks, sneaks the victory out right here in pretty convincing fashion by the time they get to the line. Correct. And... um. Looking at the car sets, um, the the near lane where Virginia Giant is, near lane to the camera side where Virginia Giant is, has a station wagon in it. And Virginia Giant lands on the car right before that. And it almost seems like the station wagon, like as he kind of smashes into that that car right before it, he kind of has to then climb the station wagon, for lack of a better way to put it. And and mm-hmm. that really slows them up. And, and Duraliner Giant makes a much better and much smoother hit over the cars. Um, and that uh, <clears throat> that really seemed to, to be all it took. Uh, as strange as it sounds, I actually think that the truck's weight kind of played a little bit more. Yep, I was know, just about ready to favorite. say that. I think the weight and the height of that truck, when it slams into those cars, propelled it forward straight through, them, almost like a tank. It's Correct. It propelled yep. straight through it. Exactly. And when do you ever say that the taller, heavier truck had exactly. the advantage because it was taller and heavier in a race? But sure enough, it seemed to do so. And, and it really see, and especially the last car, um, you know, and, and Virginia Giant is not a light truck by any stretch, but Durliner Giant has a beat by quite a bit. And at I think that what? last car, I would really, say at least what, 5,000 pounds, if more, uh, probably pretty close to that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past it. And, um, really smashed that last car down and made that that transition from the cars to the the kind of second no man's land there uh, a lot smoother for the truck and and you know wins by a good truck length um stays together well which uh, was uh, you know that truck didn't always stay together well at the time so um you know definitely uh definitely a good round by by the Dabney team there and uh yeah took the win over what we've you know, establishes a pretty tough and consistent competitor in Deal Wilson. 
could almost consider this one an upset because at the, at the time, Duralander Giant wasn't really doing, and not throwing them under the bus, but they weren't really doing that much as far as the racing brackets. They were generally one and done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, uh, you know, heavy and tall, but heavy and tall worked in this case and and was able to take that huge. I mean, the, you, you were absolutely right. Virginia Giant absolutely ate Duraliner Giant's lunch on the line. It wasn't even <laughs> close, but uh, that, that tells you how good that hit was. So Exactly. Uh, next race here, we've got Excalibur and Samson 1. Speaking of tall and beautiful trucks, my goodness, Samson 1, that truck... One of my favorite quotes was Minneapolis in 88. I can't remember, for the life of me, I can't remember the announcer's name off the top of my head. Uh, He says, it's got more chrome than Sammy Davis Jr.'s driveway. And by (laughs) God, is he correct. This thing is just one of the most beautiful trucks in the early days of monster truck racing. Still stands out to me to this day with all that chrome on it. Yeah, and that's something you can say kind of across across the board and, you know, probably didn't mention in the last race is, this the first two races and really this whole lineup, but these first two races are four of the best looking monster trucks that were ever built. Yeah. Virginia giant had probably one of the greatest paint schemes of all time. Duraliner giant was just absolutely gorgeous. You're right. Samson won, uh, one of, if not the best looking truck that ever was. And, and the most unique of the four is Excalibur, the straight yeah. black truck with the design on the side, the name that just popped right out at you. Just a beautiful truck, and in this form of Excalibur, probably the best suspension as well on the field. Oh yeah, easily. Um, the only thing that he would have probably come close would have been, you know, the Bigfoot truck. But yeah, yeah like we mentioned the last time, Excalibur definitely, uh, definitely uh, was dialed in on the suspension, and that was kind of the point of the truck is they they realized that suspension was going to be the way forward, and they were the first ones to figure that out. Oh, yeah. Speaking of going forward, Excalibur gets the whole shot here and just absolutely sails over the cars. Uh, <laughs> the camera stays with Marquardt throughout this entire race because let's just face it, he is the obvious show in this pass. Oh, yeah. Flies over those cars, flies straight to the finish line like a man possessed. And if I remember right, he goes off way off to the left on the finish line. I mean, For- the truck's just, it's all over the place, but man, is it, it's almost it's straight as, it's actually, you know what, controlled chaos. I'll just say that. Very controlled chaos. Yeah, and, and off the line, you can really watch that suspension work where, you know, that that first drop off of the, that, uh, you know, dirt tabletop is probably a good five feet, and that truck just soaks it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I mean, you watch the suspension work, and... And he makes a hit, and he runs into what uh, it may be the world's most powerful station wagon, and it throws him sideways. I mean, he's probably 45 degrees to the track and just lays into it. And you're right. He hits that finish line at about another 45 degrees and lands, you know, crosses the finish line on his side, but lands on, and lands, and lands in Samson's lane. Lands in Samson's <laughs> lane. Past the, so, I mean, one of the craziest passes of all time. And and just entertaining, but but for uh, any fans of a big blue Ford like like yours truly at the time, you want to talk about one of the scariest passes you've ever seen because how can be- Bigfoot beat this guy? You know, and that exactly. was that that was the question at the time was you know um, now we know that you know Excalibur was one of if not the first the you know the year before this to beat Bigfoot in a straight up race. And, you know, at the time I didn't know that all I knew is here's this crazy black truck flying all over the place. And, uh, you know, how is Jim Cramer going to pull this off? But man, what a race, what a round by Excalibur. Oh yeah. And honestly, 
probably didn't need to push that truck that hard in that race. But for some reason, Dave Marquardt, as as I'm probably going to say many times, every time we cover an Excalibur race, did not know how to keep his foot off the floorboard. And that's why Excalibur was so cool. I mean, that's yeah. why it was one of the coolest trucks of all time. It's just those those guys, Mike and Dave, um, they did not know how to keep their foot off the throttle. And and it was fun. It was fun to watch. Every time that truck could come out, you knew something cool was going to happen. Yep. It, honestly, it puts me into the mind. The mystique of Gravedigger was always, oh, this here's this guy, this crazy guy from North Carolina that's going to go out and just run this truck absolutely as hard as they possibly can. I think the originator of that might have been the Excalibur bunch back in the day. Oh yeah. 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 So they were the ones that were just running that truck as hard as it could possibly go, as fast as it could possibly go, and really putting on like I said, it was the show of this round. Oh, absolutely. And it, I mean, the, still to this day that is one of the most entertaining single passes you will ever see you know, of, of all time. It's just so much fun to watch that pass. Oh yeah. Uh, we're about to go to commercial here, but Mike Galloway says, Hey, Excalibur is going to take on Duraliner giant in the semifinals. However, we don't actually get to see it. Yeah. I, I don't get the point of hyping. We were kind of talking about it earlier. I don't get the point of hyping this race up and talking about it. If you're not going to show the race, it's a bit of false advertising as far as I'm concerned. Well, to be fair, I'm sure Mike Galloway had nothing to do with cutting that out at the ESPN headquarters. When the yeah, and I'm not, not throwing Mike Galloway under the bus. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, why promote this if you're not going to show it? Yeah, why why even keep that line in there? But I guess they needed to fill time and they didn't care, uh, judging by their graphics. And that, you know, Kirk Dabney drove uh, drove Duraliner, even though it was obviously Kevin Dabney driving Duraliner. Yeah in the first round. So, you know, they weren't, they, as we've discussed before, they weren't necessarily uh, concerned with accuracy. Yeah. Very, very true. Uh, Barefoot and Lone Ranger here. I've got in my notes, this is a couple of mini trucks, even though they were probably quite a bit taller than some of the trucks there. They were really short wheelbase trucks, one on 66 inch Goodyear's, the other on 73 inch Firestones. A uh, little barefoot, though, like I said earlier, my introduction to barefoot back in the day. And honestly, until I saw this event, I had no idea Fred Schaefer even had driven the truck. Yeah. And and, uh, you know, Fred, obviously a legend. I mean, you've got two more Hall of Famers here, um, yeah. you know, and, and really this lineup is almost completely in, in made up of Hall of Famers. Yeah. <laughs> minus yeah. minus one. Uh, this truck is completely or this this event is made completely of Hall of Famers and. Um, you know, again, two smaller trucks. I know we mentioned this earlier as far as like wheelbase, uh, obviously not smaller as terms of, in terms of height. Um, they, they weren't necessarily race trucks, but that being said, those two together in a race, they actually made for a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty solid little competitive race here that was fun to watch. Yeah. A bit surprising to see barefoot be beaten out of the hole. However, this was Little Barefoot. Like I said, it was known for an exhibition-style event. It really didn't have the giant horsepower motor that most of Fred's trucks had up to that point. Uh, over the cars, though, Fred pulls even. And as they get off the cars, Fred has a slight bit of a lead, but he starts bouncing a bit. Gary gets down clean, accelerates to the final hill, and Bob Kurtz says, dead heat. Yep, dead heat. And, you know, from the the... The broadcast view of it, it definitely looks like it because, uh, you know, you're looking at it head on and it sure does look awfully close. Um, I think in reality, it was probably close to a tire difference. But, um, yeah, they, uh, the, you know, these two trucks were very, very evenly matched and it definitely showed. 
Yeah, we weren't really shown a side angle of the finish here. We had to really depend on the the ISO camera at the end to see it. Uh, Bad production quality as far as I'm concerned on that. But they give Barefoot the win, and he's going to take on the winner of this next race, which is one of the races that uh, if anybody ever wants to watch old-school monster truck racing, this is one I always point to. Bigfoot 4, Skull Crusher. Yeah, absolutely. And... um just you had two teams that historically both uh, before and after this really didn't get along and that's you know that's reality that's not uh you know that's not hype that's they they did not like each other all that much and um that that you know that California team they they definitely put out some serious competition at the time um actually you know, they mentioned that uh, that they had just switched over from the V8 or from the the Jaguar motor, the V12 Jaguar motor, to a V8. And and yeah. as much as that sounds, you know, this sounds counterintuitive. That's actually uh, a a huge performance upgrade between yeah. for for that truck. Um, we mentioned uh, one of the early Pontiac shows, and actually, as I as I you know jog through my notes. The, the the Pontiac show from earlier that year was uh, February seventh of, uh, of of eighty seven, and uh, <clears throat> the the Bandits truck actually is running the Jaguar motor. And having seen the footage of that of that that untelevised you know February event, that nowhere near the power, nowhere near oh, the yeah. power. They probably had so, a little bit more acceleration when they put the four fifty four in there. Oh, absolutely. Acceler I mean, just acceleration top end, all of it. And you can just see it. And and this is this is a great, like you said, this is a, another one of the all-time classic races here. Yep, this is one I've always pointed to. If you want to see a good classic monster truck race, Jim Cramer, Steve Helms, Buffalo 87 right here. Uh, I think Bigfoot wins this race on the whole shot. Because if you compare these side passes to each other, I mean... If Bigfoot doesn't get the whole shot, Skull Crusher is going to win this race. I mean, they're ev they stay virtually dead even the entire pass, and Skull Bandits maybe a half a tire to a tire length off of him the entire race. Correct, and I, and I think um, really until they hit, if it wasn't for the whole shot, and until they hit that final tabletop, I mean, both of those hit that final tabletop at absolute full speed. Oh, yeah. And with with no thoughts of anything other than I'm going to win, um, I think that final hit you can kind of see the difference in suspension a little bit between you know the Bigfoot truck and the the Golden State truck, um, where the Bigfoot truck just kind of flies that last hill a little bit better, and that's Puts about the, the nose down as Skate Man. It's kind of got it up a little bit. Correct, and I think that's really about the only place where Kramer kind of, other than the start, which you're right, that whole that. That whole shot was big, and 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 there's there's been a lot of sleeping on the line in this event so far. I think Especially every, on that left lane. Yeah, exactly. And I think every single race has has been asleep on the line. Somebody, and I think you're right. It's almost all that left lane. But um, wow, what a run! I mean, just that that last jump and Mike Galloway with just a legendary call for this race. And yeah, you're right. This is uh, this is definitely a race of the year candidate right here. Oh yeah, one of the def like like I put in my notes. This is another candidate for race eighty seven. We've got Mad Dog Crimson Crusher. We've got Houston eighty seven with Bigfoot and Barefoot. And now we've got this one right here. That's just a dead straight drag between two, like you said, two teams that probably didn't like each other very much going down. 
Uh, now, though, we go into the semifinals, but we don't get to see it on the broadcast because that's how they aired it for some reason. <laughs> uh, Excalibur and Duraliner Giant, we do get to see a little bit of this, like we'd said earlier in the like the intro to this event. Uh, Excalibur just walks away from Duraliner here, huge leap over the cars, and then again, kicks into the left just a little bit off the finish line, but still Excalibur just drives straight through this track. Correct. And, and before we go too much into this, um, you know, we're able to, to comment on this um, through the, the Monster Truck Hall of Fame, um, actually through uh, yes, the footage, footage donation from Gary Bauer of Lone Ranger. This is actually out of his library that we were able to, to see the semifinal round out of this. Um, kind of an interesting note before we go into this is, you know, Bigfoot... Um, and and I can't remember if it's first or final round. Uh, no, it's after the first round. Bigfoot actually does an exhibition crush of some old Chevy pickup trucks. Just finishes that race and uh, the race against against bandits. Uh, gets out of the truck and you see this all on the on the broadcast itself, where he gets out of the truck, he checks the front end, he immediately jumps back in the truck, drives around and does this exhibition car crush that I guess is a sponsor deal. So what a workhorse truck, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> to do that. Or can getting, do anything. <laughs> yeah. But getting um, getting back to to the first semifinal race between Duraliner Giant and Excalibur, they both left the line together, which is the first time that's happened all night. And literally that's pretty much all they did together in this race because Excalibur, the most straight and narrow, prob- probably the fastest pass of the entire event, just straight and narrow, Perfect over the cars, perfect over the final hill, just just a perfect pass. Yeah. And and again, you you just get back to what is it going to take to beat this guy? Because he is on a rail tonight. This truck, this track is perfect for the truck. The tr- truck and driver are perfect for the track. It's just it it it, it what a, what a pass again, just absolutely perfect. Oh yeah, I mean he nails it from point A to point B, straight down the track. Excalibur just walks away with it. Yeah, plain and simple win here for that big truck, uh, Excalibur. Correct. And if you look in the far lane, there's something that I'm going to mention now that comes into play a little later on. Duraliner Giant, as it as it kind of comes down off of the cars, kind of lands on the cars and comes down off of it, you see a little bit of smoke coming up out of the uh, out of the exhaust on the truck. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. It doesn't last long. It quits, you know, almost immediately upon landing at the end of the track. Um, now with Excalibur winning the race, it, it 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 doesn't matter, but maybe it matters more than we realize. Yep, very true. Next race, Bigfoot, Barefoot. One of your picks for probably the greatest rivalry in monster truck history right here. <laughs> I do believe, though, this has got to be an odd choice of a truck to bring to this event for Fred Schaefer. I, I don't I don't understand the logic of bringing Little Barefoot to a big event like this. I mean, I'm wondering if he didn't uh, if he didn't because he maybe had that truck sold and was, you know, I, I don't know where or, uh, Barry Packard is from in the United States, but I wonder if that might have had something to do with the delivery of that truck. Maybe, uh, maybe so. Uh, it's just, it's weird if you're going to go to a big event like this and you're going to have, or you know you're probably going to end up facing Bigfoot at some point or be <laughs> close to the Bigfoot in the bracket, and your truck is considered at this time probably the number two truck in America. I don't, I don't get the logic of bringing the short wheelbase truck here, but ends up, he does bring it, but does not stand a lick of a chance against Bigfoot 4 here. 
he brought it to the brought it to the event. He didn't bring it in this race, and exactly, uh, it was almost a mirror image of the race before, except for Bigfoot won by two trucks instead of one, like the ra- one truck like the race before. I mean, it was yeah. just it wasn't really a surprise. Bigfoot just wipes the floor with little barefoot, but you really you, you know you expected that. You, you I think everybody going in pretty much knew unless unless you know Bigfoot broke, that was pretty much what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Jim Cramer's foot's obviously on the loud pedal over the cars, too. I noticed that in the little ISO cam that we watched. That truck was, he was on it right there. I think it's because he knew who was in the other lane. And even though that truck had a shorter wheelbase, he was still going to push just as hard to beat that truck. And again, like you said, workhorse truck here, Bigfoot 4. This truck has already done one pass, an exhibition car crush, and now another pass. And it's just, it keeps. it's like the Energizer Bunny. It keeps going and going and going. Yeah, yep. And actually, I got to correct. It was Bigfoot Six. So, oh, it was Bigfoot Six. It was Bigfoot Six. Oh, I thought it was four. That's what. It, oh. Gosh, dang! Yep. Throw my notes. That's just <laughs> not right. But that, not but that's right. okay. Because actually, if you ask Kramer, my understanding is his favorite truck was Six. So. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, we've been calling it Bigfoot Four this whole time. I guess it's Bigfoot Six now. All right. Yeah. We've well, had we've had a truck change mid competition. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing to point out here real fast before we get into the actual final round, I understand exactly why these races were not shown because they were not close at all. It's just, they, they, the trucks that won Excalibur and Bigfoot, they go straight down the track, they defeat their opponent and they're done. There's really, there's not even really a need to show these. I'm sure that's what they thought back in the day. Anyway, I understand the reasoning to cut them. I just don't agree with it because, like you said, there's plenty of other dead air in this broadcast they could have cut out to include this. Well, there's there's not just that. I mean, you, you there's also and uh, that, and I think you're probably right in in your your well, not your reasoning, but their reasoning. But it's incredibly short sighted when you think you're taking these two just insane trucks that you know you're going to have against each other in the final round, and you can show, hey. Which one of these, you know, crazy guys is going to win this final round race? Look at what they just did in the previous round. It wasn't even close. You're getting the two fastest trucks in the world. Yeah, you exactly. Know? You know, who, who who's going to come out on top? And you really could have created a lot of intrigue, but they weren't into intrigue. They were into filling airspace and the, you know, filling airspace it, and filling and showing as much spectacle as they could. Yeah, and and you know, in Again, this probably aired at about 11 p.m. on ESPN to fill a hole in their broadcasts. You know, they didn't care. They just needed some airspace filled, and and monster trucks didn't mean anything to them other than that. So, Yeah, unfortunate, but that's how it rolls. Uh, We get to the final round here. Bigfoot versus Duraliner Giant. Wait, what happened? I thought it was Excalibur. Excalibur pulls to the line as they're hyping the finals, and then you hear a very loud noise. And that, my friends, is the engine and Excalibur saying, nope, I'm done. Yeah, so, Excalibur's um, towed off the track and then replaced by Virginia Giant, or excuse me, Duraliner Giant. So it was the craziest thing about this. So on YouTube, you can find the footage of Excalibur rolling over in a lake. Yes. It's actually at a, at a quarry. This was apparently the very first event back after that. Oh, really? Yes. See, that I did not know. So they um, they had a, a pretty good relationship with MSD, the, the, the people that made, you know, the, the mags and all those, you know, electronics parts. And this was a new experimental M- uh, MSD mag that was in this truck. And apparently okay. 
The word is they didn't get it fully dried out. Oh, so the that's, the mag, that's what happened? The Magneto grenaded. The mag okay. blew up. Okay, for years upon years, it's always been told to me, is, oh, the motor blew. Yeah, As and that's what... On the line. And I always that, thought that was weird, but I never questioned it. Yeah, and that's what they say on the broadcast. And I th- and I fully understand that. I mean, trying to go in through and, you know, explain stuff that I couldn't even sit here and explain to you because I sure don't understand what it does for the truck. Um, but that, uh, that and I... Uh, Actually got that info from uh, from our RC racing buddy Dan Wyatt, who is okay. probably the biggest uh, Excalibur fan on the planet, oh, and uh, gave, gave me all of that info. <laughs> <laughs> no, shout out to Dan Wyatt though he's he's done a lot in the RC community and he knows quite a bit about that black truck from up there. Oh, he does. Anyway, though, final round here: Bigfoot, Duraliner, Giant. Biggest, probably a big mismatch in all honesty, and probably. Actually, to go back to the whole Excalibur situation, one of the first times in the sports history where you're probably sitting there with bated breath going, oh, my goodness, we're going to see this. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. Like and the that's whole stadium really... kind of lets out that collective groan. Yeah. Like, no. And that's the what if of this event. I mean, this you you at the time. And I really think that, you know, there's a chance that had this event gone down a little differently. Um, I know the beginning, beginning of the next year, um, Excalibur was starting to, to make a few passes for the other series and um, you know, politics being what they were, they were basically told, Hey, you're not allowed to run that other series and keep running for us. And they had a pretty, pretty sweet deal. My understanding was with the USHRA people because USHRA yeah. knew what they had in that truck. And, um, you know, this could have been one of those, you know, that could have put Excalibur on that pedestal, uh, you know, well before USA, USA one, well before Gravedigger, it could have, they could have been the one on that pedestal. These are the guys that are out there beating Bigfoot on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and honestly that, like I had talked to you years ago about this, I think that one of the biggest what ifs in monster truck history is what if Excalibur was in TNT. Yeah, and and Excalibur was briefly in TNT for just yeah, a few very, minutes. Very, very, very briefly. You never saw it. I don't believe you ever saw it on TV. No, it was never on TV. It was there. Yeah, yeah, you still need to find those clips, by the way. I've been dying to see those clips. I know you have Excalibur and TNT. You're holding <laughs> out on me. Um, I am actually, dying to see those. Actually, one of those events um, is kind of an interesting event uh, historically in that Excalibur races in TNT. The driver of Excalibur in his very, very, very first racing event won Charlie Pawkin. Oh, yeah. And that's the night that Awesome Kong rolled over. And the very next, or I guess the very next weekend or two weekends after that is when they had Louisville? The, uh, the Louisville event. Okay, and, yeah, I've seen the clip of my- Awesome Kong rolling over. We may have, we might have watched that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just very, like... And and I, I would have to look and remember exactly where it was. I think it was somewhere in Ohio, but I've been known to be wrong. It might have been Indiana. But long story short is that was a, a very historic event and one of the very few times that you ever saw Excalibur run that series. But, uh, yeah, it's just the you're right, the what ifs of, uh, of Buffalo 1987 and how much further Excalibur would have, you know, that name would have gone. If if it if it would have raced and and beaten Bigfoot in this race, wow! I mean, just the you, oh, yeah. you think of the historical differences in the sport that that would have been made at that moment. 
Yeah, and that, that happens in a lot of sports where if this one moment would have just been slightly offered, slightly differed a certain way, puts you in the mind of the old Marvel What If comics or the DC Elseworlds and stuff like that. Uh, but anyway, though, we get to the final round. Bigfoot, Duraliner Giant here. Uh, Bigfoot gets the whole shot, but Dabney really doesn't lay over for him. Dabney's even with Kramer to the cars, but it's about a trailer. It's about, what, I'd say a, a truck length by the time they come off the cars. No match for Bigfoot. And then we get the famous... Famous quote from Mike Galloway. It's a shootout. It's a shootout. It's Bigfoot at the finish. It's Bigfoot at the finish. Yeah, and, and really, I think um, the, the truck length almost happens after they come off the cars because as they land on the cars, they're even. They're dead even. Um, okay. uh, that's know, what big, I meant is when they come off the cars, they're dead even. Yeah, yeah and, and Bigfoot maybe got a slight edge, but, you know, but Duraliner Giant made another just amazing hit on that set, you know, on that set of cars on that far lane and just erased that entire lead. But again, I think suspension and, you know, maybe some, well, as we find out, maybe a little bit of motor problems. Uh, yeah, maybe <laughs> just a little bit of a motor problem. But at the same time, though, he makes it more of a race than it probably should have been comparing oh, those two trucks together. Uh, Excalibur practically left Duraliner Giant in the semifinals. But once Giant gets the call to come back to the finals, he makes it a, a race worthy of a final round. Correct. Absolutely. And it, and it definitely was. It was, it was a lot closer. I know at the finish line, it wasn't nearly as close, but um, you know, Duraliner Giant lands off of that car stack and, and something comes loose. You can actually see something flop off the front of the truck. If you watch the footage, like it, you know, it, originally you, you kind of think, oh, shoot, you know, he blew up a motor and you know that. But he stays under power and you see something flop off the front of the truck. So I don't know if, if he fully blew the motor or if just like a, a fluid line came loose and sprayed all over the headers. Because, like I said, you see something come off the front of the truck, and it's just hanging off the front of the truck. Okay. Um, maybe he blew the motor. I don't know. Um, but regardless, when it, it's still under power and makes an actually pretty big hit. I'm sure he couldn't see the finish line through all that <laughs> all that yeah. white smoke coming off, and that probably slowed him down quite a bit too. But, yeah, Kramer wasn't going to be beat there, no no doubt, unless the truck broke. But uh, you're, you're right. Durliner Giant definitely made a uh, – made a strong pass of it really, really oh, yeah. strong pass of it. And it was worthy, like you said, of a, of a final round where maybe it probably didn't have any rights to be. Yeah. It didn't have any right to be there, but by God, it proved that it could be there if given the right circumstances. Uh, one thing I got to ask before we get into actually reviewing this show and giving our, our thoughts of the whole thing all together. Are you in team Marquardt or team Kramer as to who would have won that final round? Um, I still to this day think that it was Marquardt's race to lose. Yep, I'm, and I'm like I said, like I put in my notes, I'm firmly in the Team Marquardt camp on that yep. one. I think yep. it was definitely Excalibur's race to lose. However, it would have been very interesting because he was going to be in a lane that he had not been in the entire night. Correct, and and not only that, but that far lane, there was a lot less room on 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 that far side than there was on the near side. Um, you know, and I know that sounds weird, but as, as wild as he was in that first round there, you know, he couldn't have done that in the far lane. Yeah. No. You know, he would have had to have slowed down out of it. Kramer on the other hand, and this is, this is the, the X factor in that Kramer was notorious for being smart enough to know how hard to push the truck. Yeah. And if he, if he makes the pass that he made in that first round, um, and and knowing Kramer well enough to know that he probably had a little bit more, you know, just a little bit more. 
I, I still think it was probably Marquardt's, you know, race to lose and that you've got a lot of big, you know, big drops and he's got that suspension and he's not, you know, he's not afraid of it. But if he got even slightly sideways like he did in that first round, Kramer's going to eat him up. So, yeah. you know, I, I really, you know, like I said, I, I think Marquardt probably takes that one in a, in a heads up situation, but I don't I don't see any situation involving Jim Kramer as being a sure bet. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Kramer was probably in the early days of monster truck racing. I would consider him like uh, Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, that, oh, yeah. that kind of, that kind of caliber of a driver behind the wheel. Uh, he's extremely tough to beat. And when you, when you did get a win over him, that deserved to be celebrated with as many, as many beers or as many wine coolers, whatever you drink afterwards, by God, you earned it after beating Jim Cramer. <laughs> Absolutely. But anyway, though, we as we get to the end of this show, uh, this event for, like I said, a number of years, fans have talked about and debated on and debated on and argued about, caused world wars on Facebook over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so many people have like utterly craved to see those semifinal races, too, including myself. Uh, just wondering how they went down after all these years and finally getting to see those semifinals, uh, thanks to you and thanks to Gary Bauer and International Monster Truck Museum and Hall of Fame, it's, it's something that it made my eyes light up as like a childhood glee inside of them. Just like I'd see something that's never been seen before. That is really cool, and I thank you for that. Uh, as far as the actual production of the event, though, I got to go a six out of ten. I think that they could have done a lot better as far as producing this show than what they did. But like you have said before, and like you probably always going to say about these events aired at 11 o'clock or midnight on ESPN and they didn't really care. Correct. And uh, you know, I think you're being generous at, at six out of 10 on the production value. Of this event. I mean, you, <laughs> I, you I'm doing really... six out of 10 overall. Oh, well the whole, the, yeah, well, I mean, you know, the production, the, the racing itself that we see. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's part of the reason that that rating is up there just above yeah. a five. Yeah, then I, then I think you're probably fair in saying that production is just, I mean, that's uh, when when they didn't misspell anyone's name and and you're like, holy cow, you know, they didn't they didn't screw up the names. Yeah, that, that tells you the, the low bar that's being set. They did list it as, as Kirk or actually they listed as Kevin, Kevin Dabney on the graphics. But Mike Galloway says Kirk. But yeah, it was definitely Kevin. But still, I mean, it's. Yeah, um, this is just one of those events where I think the mystique of it, I mean, you've got two really, really good races. The, the final round race is a lot better than people give it, uh, give it, you know, credit for. But that that first race between Skull Bandits and Bigfoot Six is legitimately one of the better races of all time. Just what yeah. just the intensity. I mean, from start to finish, as soon as those motors come up off that line, it never quits, and it's just pure intensity the whole way. Um, yeah. The what, first round of racing, honestly, between all the trucks was really good. Correct. You yeah. had, and you got to see the wild pass of Marquardt, which, like you have said, is one of the single greatest single passes in monster truck history. And two races after that, we get to see one of, if not the best, early races in monster truck history between Skull Crusher and Bigfoot. Yeah, and I mean, you put that race on today between two modern trucks, you know, and they finish like that, and that's the, I mean, that, everybody's going nuts, and that's all over the internet, you know? Yeah. That really is that race, and anybody that's never seen it needs to go back and see that race. Um, and really, that whole first round, like you said, it was just, uh, you know, 
a really good set of matchups. Um, even the the matchup that was obviously completely lopsided and Samson versus Excalibur produced one of the craziest moments in the history of the sport. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that adds to that, and then there's just the mystique later on of what would have happened had you know had that not gone wrong with Excalibur. Um, you know, I've I've heard stories that, and and I don't see this on the on the the tape, but you know it does cut in and out. Um, of the the act, you know, of the full event when you when you see the the home footage, but apparently um, Jim Cramer gets down out of his truck and goes over and asks them what's wrong, and they're you know they're still trying to figure it out, and um, a bit more colorfully than this says, "Get this truck started, I want to race you." Exactly. So Kramer Kramer wanted it as bad. I mean, trust me, Kramer knew who those guys were just as much as they knew who he was, and I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they had already that had, was already a huge rivalry in the sport that doesn't get played you know, played up these days nearly as much. And I think that's just because, you know, maybe even because of this event, there, there was such a divergence of paths of those two teams. One, one question I have for you, and you may know the answer to this, you may not. When Excalibur did defeat Bigfoot, was Kramer behind the wheel? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it was, so it, that's it was, probably the reason that Kramer wanted that truck. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. This, I mean, yeah. anytime Kramer after that, anytime Kramer and, and I know you guys just talked about it with the, um, with the Pontiac event against Bainter. Yeah. Anytime Kramer lost Kramer wanted that, wanted to race that truck and was going to make sure that he didn't lose. So I, I hate to see, you know, I, I, I hate, and at the same time would love to have seen what Kramer would have done in that final round against Excalibur. Because anytime, and, and it was, you know, it was the year before it was in Toronto that, that Excalibur beat Bigfoot in the, you know, in the semifinals of that event. Um, the very next year in, in, in uh, Toronto, um, I want to say Excalibur breaks and Bigfoot doesn't get his chance to race him. So oh. I think this was the next time that they were lined up against each other. And real quick, before, before we end this, there's been a debate uh, not a giant debate, but there has been a debate over who was the first truck to beat Bigfoot. If you look at it on paper, it's technically Virginia Giant at a Philadelphia event where he beat Bob Chandler and Bigfoot one. But the track is completely uneven. They basically have to stop each other at the end of the track. I think, honestly, if you're going to consider this, Excalibur is easily the first truck to defeat Bigfoot in a straight up race, in a straight up venue of that and that's why you've got to give uh excalibur some credit here and that's exactly like we just talked about why kramer wanted hopped out of that truck and might have said a few colorful words but he really wanted to get that thing fired because he wanted to prove that he could beat that truck oh absolutely and and you know the the, the philadelphia 86 i don't know when that one actually when that event actually happened in comparison to the um to the event in toronto i'd have to look up the dates on the two of them um i know that you know, you have Bigfoot one at the at the Philadelphia event, yeah. And so, you know that that was never a race truck. They did race it, but it was never a race truck. It was never meant to be a race truck. And you're right, that event really wasn't a race as much as it was dueling exhibition. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I I really I you know people can debate it all they want, but if you want to talk about true heads up competition on a true race course, yes, I think it was the uh, the Excalibur race in Toronto. Yep, I agree with you right there. Uh, real quick before we end the show here, I want to talk a little bit about what we do in uh, I believe it's the Moon Base. Uh, 
that we have over there. Uh, talk about MTRC and talk about all the stuff that we do over there because it really is something special. Yeah, we, um, you know, me and uh, a gentleman by the name of Travis Sutton, who's uh, now become one of my really close friends. Um, shout out to Travis. You're awesome. Um, I agree. You know, Thank you, Travis. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what for. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, you know, one of the most like talented people you'll ever meet. But, um, you know, he and I had gotten to know each other through racing at, a, you know, racing at a, another another group's events. And, you know, just we kind of have similar interests in that, you know, we w- always had wanted to see like a really good presentation put on for 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 RC monster trucks. And we, you know, and by presentation, I mean like the look of the event. So basically what we, what we did and kind of developed is we developed this idea of just almost doing like a beauty shot session to try to make an RC event look as close to real as you possibly can. And, um, you know, my family bought some property that, that the moon base sits upon. So I guess my family bought the moon. And exactly. I mean, Neil Armstrong's footprint is like off to our right when we raised yeah, it. So. Yeah. And we got to be really careful not to run. I think Josh actually actually flipped one of his gravedigger trucks like over the top of it at one point. And yeah, I'm, I'm not too careful with those trucks. Yeah, it is what it is. But um, <laughs> so so we kind of honestly, we kind of went overboard and we bought, you know, this huge it's a 60 foot long by eight foot tall backdrop that is cra- is a crowd. And we put lighting in the barn that kind of the barn it's a barn i mean it literally is an old barn in the middle of a field you know in the middle of nowhere um and we put this backdrop up we put lighting that looks like an arena lighting and just kept adding to the scale you know we use barbie cars as opposed to like you know just the the pre-molded you know rc car bodies and we you know we instead we use barbie cars that then i take a heat gun to and an old rc tire and actually crush to make it looks like it looked like it was run over that tire real prints and everything yeah tire prints and everything real dirt ramps you know now we've gotten to the point where we have a scale christmas tree that actually works has lights works you know it's a remote control christmas tree goes from red to green and is is just one tenth scale mm. we've got track track crew guys we've got you know um and you know i'm i'm blessed enough to have a you know pretty good hand with a video camera and so you know i shoot shoot it with my you know <laughs> i hesitate to even say how much this camera cost me but my rather <laughs> expensive video camera about three inches off the dirt and you know it's an old barn that that housed cows, so it's it's mostly dirt. It's there's some other organic yeah, materials there's, there's, mixed yeah, there's in. There's some there. other things in there too that I'd rather <laughs> not talk about. That's all over my shoes. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so so that's what MTRC is. It's kind of this. It's a special little thing. It's 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 more about the presentation than than the performance. We obviously still perform at a pretty high level out there, but. Uh, you know, for every guy with a track in his yard or a track in his, you know, or that rents out a building somewhere, and those guys do a great job with the events they do, they don't have a one-tenth scale hockey arena built in a building, you know? No, no they don't. And, and, and on the moon, really nonetheless. Oh, I'm sorry, what was that? And on the moon, nonetheless. And on the moon, yeah, so yeah. The gravity is all weird. No, but, it, you know, <laughs> it, we just keep adding. I just, I've got... got packages in the mail with like more little scale accessories for the track we've got scale hay bales and scale uh road cones and you know we stripe the track with flour just like they do on the on the real shows and you know we just we we go all out with it 
Yeah, and I'm glad that we do. I really enjoy going to those events. That's why I wanted to give you just a few minutes here so you could talk about it and really spread the word so we can try and get some more, more eyeballs on it and watching this stuff because it's, it's just really cool. It's stuff that we care about and we really enjoy, and that's why I do this podcast because it's something I care about and I enjoy. Exactly. And, and we really do. I mean, it's, you know, a great group of people. All some of my, some of my really good friends, you know, are involved with this and Except I wouldn't have Ed. any, but anyway, well, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know, we tolerate Ed, but you do what you can do. Um, but no, I just, it, it, I wanted to do something different and I know everybody says that, but it really truly is like no other RC monster truck or any RC event really no, <laughs> that's out not. there. I mean, you there's take- nothing else like it out there with, there might be a, a small exception to a group in California that does a scale style monster jam event in somebody's backyard, Yeah. but they don't have a backdrop of a crowd back there. They've just got signs. They put on this dude's wall back there. Yeah. We, we go a hundred percent all out to make this thing look as close as we can to either an old school event or a time trial event that still has an old school feel to it. I, I, I enjoy it. And that's, again, that's why I wanted you to talk a little bit about it right here. Well, I appreciate the time to, to mention it. And yeah, if, uh, you know, MTRC on Facebook, Instagram, and, um, and YouTube, uh, MTRC racing on all of, all of them. Um, lots of cool video. Uh, we're inventing classes just, just to be more scale. So it's, uh, it's, it's a labor of love. It's a lot of hard work, but it's, it's totally worth it. Exactly. And do check out the Marvin the Martian sportsman division as well. That's that's my favorite. (laughs) You're talking about making up classes. I figured I'd give you one right there. But anyway, though, guys, that's been the Retro Monster Truck Review for this week. Thank you very much, Colby, for coming on here, talking Buffalo 87. Next week, we've got Irving, Texas with Doug Welker, triple triple drag monster truck racing from TNT. Going to be a lot of fun. Hope you all enjoyed this week. Until then, though, see you again on the Tracks Across America. Hey guys, real quick, wanted to pop in here and say thank you so much for all the five-star reviews that I've gotten in the last week or so. We're up to six right now, but hey, you know what? I could use a heck of a lot more, so I'm going to throw out a challenge to you guys. If you can give me 15 more likes by the end of next week, I will throw out a bonus episode of the Retro Monster Truck Review for you guys in a midweek release. not going to tell you what the episode is or anything like that. That's part of the mystery. If you guys can give me those reviews and really pump this thing up there, I'll throw out a bonus show for you. Anyway, though, thank you again very much to Colby Marshall for joining me again this week. Next week is the episode that you guys are really going to enjoy. I think episode 10 is the best one of the series. We've got Doug Welker on the show, and we're talking the uh, TNT Motorsports event from Dallas, Texas. Triple Lane Monster Truck Drag Racing. So much controversy going on in that show. It's almost two hours that we talk about this. And man, if you're a Monster Truck fan and you're a Monster Truck nerd, you're going to want to listen to that discussion. A lot to unpack there. The banning of Bigfoot 8, the return of Bigfoot 4, Scott Stevens and others kind of throwing some shade in certain directions. It's an amazing conversation. It's an amazing piece of Monster Truck history, and I can't wait to share that conversation with you guys. Until then, though, I'll see you all again on the Tracks Across America. And don't forget, rate the podcast on iTunes and follow it on Spotify.